God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all of the wild animals and all, over all of the creatures that move along the ground. So God created humankind in God's own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for the beginning of the story. We pray now as we consider it, uh, we ask that you'll be with us and uh, help us to understand these relationships you're calling us into with you, with ourselves, and with each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's good to see everyone today. Uh, if you've been with us here over the fall season, you know that uh, we're in the midst, actually coming to the end of our uh, fall sermon series where we've been looking through the themes introduced in John Peckham's book, God With Us, an introduction to Adventist theology. And so we've been taking the themes and texts related to this, and so we're talking about the image of God uh, today, which again, you can uh, read about in the book. And I should mention that uh, on the network, on the Advent Hope Network, which hopefully you're all a part of, if you're not, you can go to adventhope.org and get connected with our own. We have our, basically our own social media platform that doesn't have ads and there's no, uh, there's, there's, uh, no data of yours being taken, you can get on there and you'll find a, an interview with Dr. Peckham about uh, the book and about the topics that we've been dealing with. And specifically, he goes into a very interesting subject of theodicy, which we've talked about a lot, which is uh, trying to wrestle with the question, how can there be a good God in the universe with our, when our world is so messed up? And so I would... Uh, encourage you to take a look at the network and specifically that interview. So if you go into the feed, you can just search for John Peckham or scroll down and you'll see uh, the interview there with him. It's pretty fantastic. He's an interesting guy. Anyway, we've been taking the themes from the book and talking about them through our fall sermon series. Next week, Stephen is going to share with us, uh, actually, as we take a break in that series and get ready for the holidays, Stephen is going to lead us with our last of the fall series on God with us next week. So today, we're looking at Genesis chapter 1. 26 to 31, the beginning of the story, the sixth day, the day of the creation of the first humans, and there are certain things that jump out to us right away as we read this uh, passage. First of all, uh, the previous five days God is creating, and at the end of each day he'll say it's good. Here we read in Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 31, we read that when God creates the humans and he gets to the end of the day, he says it's very good. 
It's very good. So there's emphasis now on this, this, this crown of creation, if you will, that uh, God is very excited about what he's done. He's made the first humans. He's told them that they're going to multiply and they're going to spread out over the earth. And uh, this is very, very good. So God, from the beginning, was excited. And this makes sense, I think, if, for those of us who have had children. When you have children, you're like, there's just something that happens. There's a capacity for love that expands inside of you, and you're excited about that. And so it's a very good thing. That's the imagery we get of God who is excited about these first few kids that he has created with the understanding that they're going to increase in number and spread out on the earth. And God is excited about that. It is very, very good. Uh, secondly, what jumps out to us is the reality that the first humans, our parents, <laughs> the, those who we come from, were created in God's image. Created in God's image. This is a, an incredibly important idea because it emphasizes the worth, the value of us as humans. We were created in God's image. All of us. doesn't matter what your, what your or ethnic or, or, or geographic or, or, or uh, uh, whatever other ability or, or challenge you may have, what doesn't matter what the, those are, we are all created in God's image, every single one of us. And so this idea that God got together and was like, we're gonna, again, like parents, we're gonna make kids and they're gonna resemble us, not just physically, but in character. That was the idea. Uh, humans were created, humans are created in the image of God. And so every human on the planet today has an imprint of the great God, the creator God of the universe. It makes sense then why later in the story, in Exodus chapter 20, God is like, listen, don't go and create images of me using things from this earth. So there was a tendency, there was a, there was a temptation uh, because people felt like they couldn't see God later after fall to go and craft a stone or, 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 or craft a piece of wood and to worship it as if it was God making it in, 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 in God's image. And God is like, you're in my image. Don't go create other things in my image. You are in my image. And so we as humans are made in the image of God. I personally am a little bit challenged by pictures even that we create uh, of, of God. I don't really love uh, expressing uh, images of God in pictures. Why? Because we often screw this up. We have our own biases as to what God looks like, and then that affects other people. They see he looks like this. We always are making God in our image, and God is like, no, no, no. You got this backwards. Uh, you are made in my image, and so we are, we, all of us as humans are made in the image of God. There's a and a, a dignity in that. We also see in Genesis 1.22 the inherent equality between male and female. Unfortunately, this has been lost over the ages. Certainly after the fall, you have this not being uh, something we think of as inherent, but if you go back to the original story, they were created equal, inherently equal, and any deviation from this plan is a result of the brokenness of sin. It wasn't God's original plan equality between male and female right there in Genesis chapter 1 at the very, very beginning of the story. Uh, we should also note that in the passage, humans, and this, it starts right off by saying humans were given the requirement 
to rule over the earth. To rule over the earth. Now this is another area in which we have misinterpreted the passage and have deviated from God's original plan. We have interpreted as humans often that this ruling means dominating the earth, using the earth for our own benefit, whether it's the natural resources of the earth or it's the animals of the earth, we eat them, we, we, we use them for our good. But the original idea of ruling was an idea of stewardship. You're to be, yeah, you're to be the ones who are to take care. A, a good ruler takes care of things. It doesn't just use the things that it's a steward over for their own good. And so humans were designed to be stewards of the earth, to take care of the earth, to work the ground, to develop the ground, to, to, to tame it. And so, again, a deviation from the original plan, but Genesis chapter 1, 26 to, to uh, 31 is clearly telling us that we have an, op uh, an obligation as humans to take care of this planet and to take care of all of the beings in this planet. We are stewards over this world. That's what it means to uh, rule. So these are a couple of highlights from, from the passage. What does this uh, mean for us? What does this mean for us to do? Well. Again, we're created to be stewards of the earth, and that means that we need to not just consume, but maintain and propagate and, 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 and encourage and help to develop and grow. We should be thoughtful about this planet and the beings that live on it. That's part of our job as humans. We are also to live with uh, dignity. We are created in the image of God. Among Christians, uh, evangelical Christians have really embraced this in particular, uh, there is this idea that because of sin and the entrance of sin is described in Genesis chapter 3. If you've never uh, read it before, basically Adam and Eve choose their, to go their own way and do their own thing and to try to live as gods themselves. And so there is a misconception that because that happened, humans now need to think of ourselves as nothing as worthless, as garbage, as trash. You'll hear some Christians talk about this, like, I am nothing. I really beat ourselves up over this, right? And you'll hear this even some, from pulpits and uh, that, you know, God is redeeming us from the trash pit of, of nothing. This is not the Christian idea. The Christian ideal, again, is we are created in the image of God. There's an inherent dignity in that. And so we're supposed to live as if we are children of the creator. And so quit beating yourselves up. Are we broken? Yes. Is the world a mess? Yes. But God loves this world. There is inherent value that we have as God's kids. Again, any good parent, the, kid, the child does something and, 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 and maybe even breaks away from, uh, from the parent. The parent isn't like, you're garbage. So we need to quit talking about ourselves like that. We need to embrace the inherent dignity that we are endowed with as being very good, very good. We are made from good stuff, and so we are to live with dignity. The implication of this, though, also means that we are to treat other people with inherent dignity as well. Even people that we may not uh, 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 understand very well or know very well or that we, we have uh, animosity for whatever reason with. Everyone is to be treated with inherent dignity. We are all every single one of us created from the good stuff that God said was very good and in the image of God. This is what God is calling us and inviting us to as we consider the book of beginnings and the beginning of the story. A God who made us in his image, 
who thinks of us as having inherent dignity and value, who didn't just leave us even when we chose to go our own way, but is working for our good. And so we should treat then also everyone else with dignity, even those who are maybe against us. We should love the people of this world. And this makes sense because if you think, again, image of God, well, what if you boil God down to its, his, his very basic uh, a purpose? What is the purpose of God? What, what, what makes up God? And uh, one of Jesus' disciples, he described it like this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. He says, God is love. If you're going to boil down uh, God to his, his essence, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. That's what uh, John says, one of Jesus' closest com uh, companions. God is love. So if God himself is love, and we as humans are made in God's image, not just physically, but our characters are made in God's image, then our characters should be inherently loving, not just to ourselves, to ourselves, but not just to ourselves, but to those around us. God is love. We were designed to reflect his character. We are to be loving too. And so this is God's intention for this world. Now the problem is we have deviated from that intention. And so our question today is, although humans are created in the image of God, why do we struggle to reflect God's perfect love towards one another? I mean, that's the big question, right? What's, going, what's wrong with us that we were created in God's image, and yet we're not very good at reflecting God's image when it comes to love in this world? Why do we struggle with that? Now, I'm sure you could come up with a lot of responses. I have three for you today. And the first one is pretty simple. Uh, part of the issue is we are, have divergent beliefs about God. We're all over the place as humans when we, when, we, when we think of who God is and what God is. And uh, so it would be dishonest to overlook the reality that religion has played a huge part in the heart of the world's conflicts and conflicts between each other. Right? If you look at the conflicts that are going on in the world, many of them have some kind of uh, religious root. Certainly now, but also through human history. This is just a reality. Our understanding of God has affected our ability to, be, to, to, to reflect God's character. What we believe about God matters. Bad theology equals bad politics. If you believe that some people are uh, chosen to be saved and to be with God forever, and conversely, you believe some people are inherently lost, that's a, belief, that's a Christian belief. If you believe that, it's going to affect how you treat other people. If you believe there's some people that are just inherently not good enough or lost or not going to be, why would you treat them with dignity? But this is not, Genesis chapter 1 says we, are all, we all come from good stuff, very good stuff, and we all reflect God's image. We are made in his image. Bad theology, theology equals bad politics. If we believe God is a tyrant, if God is angry, if he's upset with us, that's going to affect how we treat other people. If we believe we always have to look over our shoulder at an angry God, we're going to be angry at other people. What you believe at God, about God makes a difference. And so our beliefs about God are affecting our ability to live with the dignity 
for ourselves and for each other. Uh, secondly, we're challenged by being able to love each other because we are worried about self-preservation. We're worried about taking care of ourselves. You see this, again, you think of the global con conflicts in this world. We have people who are fighting over a piece of real estate, right? Wars over re 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 uh, real estate. We imagine that there are limited resources or there's a desire for power so that you can control and take care of the people that you care about and everybody else gets uh, left out or there's a disputes over property, economic resources in our mind are limited and so we're worried about taking care of ourselves and ourselves first, whether this is individually or it's as a community and so we fight over what we imagine to be limited and we're trying to preserve our own well-being at the expense of others. Again, you don't have to go very far in what's happening in our world today that see this is, this is part of what's going on. People are trying to preserve their own safety, their own comfort at the expense of others. Finally, we are challenged to live as loving people who honor the God-imageness of others uh, because we have prejudices that are often subconscious to us, that we haven't really spent much time thinking uh, about. And you know, prejudice causes negative bias, it dehumanizes people, it promotes intolerance, and it closes open-mindedness. When, when we judge somebody based on whatever circumstances, whether it's you know, where someone comes from or what accent they speak with or what language they speak with or what the color of their skin is, it, it, it does something to us that inhibits our ability to treat others with dignity. Oftentimes we're also, meanwhile, beating ourselves up. And so it's like this, this, this negative spiraling circle that isn't good for us but it's also not good for the planet. And so our ability to live as loving, caring people, as, as people who consider our own dignity and the dignity of others, it's, it's, it's subverted. So what do we do? In a world that's chaotic, in, in a world with, with strife. We're talking about the world, obviously, and there's a lot of strife and there's a lot of chaos in the world, but I would imagine you have your own relationships individually. It's not just global. Individually, you have issues and strife and things that are going on, prejudices and all of these things. So not only is it difficult as a global community, it's difficult as an individual to embody the inherent dignity that God is asking us to live with for the other when we're burdened by these things too. And so what do we, what do we do? Well, there are strategies. You know, if we said, first of all, you know, part of the issue is that we have divergent ideas about God. Well, let's investigate what God is really about. Let's, 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 let's learn to, 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 to understand God better. There's, there are ways to do this. We can read the ancient, ancient scriptures. We can pray. We can exist in community. And so let's, let's spend time investigating this great God, this creator God. That, that, that can make a difference. 
We can work on becoming more uh, loving to, to each other, to getting over our prejudices. We can uh, go and spend time with people that we haven't spent time with before, serving people, or, 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 or just, again, just getting to know, know others that come from different backgrounds. That can affect our ability to, to love if we can overcome some of our prejudices and get beyond that. We should absolutely do that. We should also practice gratitude. Instead of being worried about self-preservation, let's find areas where we do have enough, where we are taken care of, and focus less on self-protection and more on protection of the community. It's not just about you. It's not just about your family. It's not just about your loved ones. But let's be thoughtful about uh, the global community or your larger community, or your city, or your neighborhood. Let's think beyond ourselves. These are strategies that we can uh, use to overcome our, our, our inability to be more loving in this broken world, to think of the other and care for the other and, and have dignity for the other. Now, I can tell you to go out and let's just, let's do this. You know, get it together. Uh, go read some books, go meet some people who you, uh, you, you have never hung out with before, get to know them, and, uh, you know, we'd feel pretty good about that strategy. Uh, until, you, you know, two days from now when you've forgotten anything you said from here, and uh, you're back at it, and uh, you're, you're not treating people with dignity, and you're intolerant, and, and it's a mess again. This is where we face the reality that for most of us, our issues with these things are not issues of knowledge. It's not that you don't know that we should be more loving to the other. It's not that we, 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 we don't know that we should be more tolerant and more thoughtful or get over a prejudice. What we're missing is power to actually do it. It's not a knowledge problem for most of us. It's a lack of power to actually get it done. So where does that leave us? Well, that's where we come back to Jesus. Jesus wasn't just created in God's image. Jesus was God. That's what the Bible tells us. And Jesus confronted and overcame the things that inhibit us from being the loving people in this broken world that we are called to be, that we were designed to be back in Genesis chapter 1. We read in John chapter 3, verse 16, this is Jesus himself talking about himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He's talking about himself. Jesus said this. He's describing what God was doing. Whatever, that whoever believes in him, they shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus said that. You know, Jesus loved people who had divergent ideas about God, about himself, people who didn't fully understand him. Jesus still was able and capable of loving those people and looking at them with dignity. In Matthew chapter 8, we're told that a centurion came to Jesus who had a, a, a sick relative, and um, he asked Jesus for help, and Jesus didn't say, sorry, you don't believe the right thing about God. That centurion had, he had Greek philosophy that he was raised and trained in. He had different ideas about the gods and the pantheon. And he didn't have it correct, at least from what Jesus knew, as God himself. And Jesus didn't say, I'm sorry, I can't deal with you until you get your, 
uh, your, your, your correct theology fixed, fixed. Jesus healed on the spot that relative. Jesus went to Samaria and famously met with a woman, and she was so surprised that he was talking uh, with her. He said, she said, how are you even talking to me? We don't believe the same thing about God. She was surprised that he would even have a conversation uh, with her because most people, when they found out that they believed something different about God, were just like, I can't talk to you. i got to get away from you. Jesus was not inhibited by the, in, the same things that inhibit us. Jesus also wasn't worried about self-preservation. You may, may remember the story, and there are many like this, where the, Jesus is with his disciples in the garden, and the, uh, the soldiers come to arrest him. And uh, one of Jesus' followers sees the soldiers, and he whips out his sword, and he cuts off the ear. Famous story. And uh, Jesus is not worried about self-preservation. Put the knife away, heal the ear, and then his lecture was, don't you know what's going on here? I got angels that I could call at any moment and take care of business. If we were worried about self-preservation, that's what I do. That's not what we're doing here. This isn't about self-preservation. Jesus was not worried about self-preservation. Those are things that we worry about. And so as we wrestle with this broken world, and we wrestle with the implications that we were created in the image of God. We are designed from very good stuff. And not just us, but everyone in this world is designed from very good stuff as an inherently valuable. We can take heart that we are not just given good information about how to think of people and love people with dignity. We're given power because we're told that when we confess faith in Jesus... God is able to empower us with the ability to do things that we cannot inherently do on our own. And part of that is to be more loving to, the, the, to this broken world, to people in this broken world, even difficult people. I mean, Jesus said things like, love your enemy. That was just as hard back then as it is today. Love your enemy. Can you imagine a world where people are, are actually practicing loving their enemies? You wouldn't have enemies very long. If everybody was practicing <laughs> loving your enemy. And so we may try that on our own and we're not very good at it because the enemy does something against you and then all the old stuff boils up in your prejudices and, and whatever. But the, the promise of the Lord Jesus is because he has done what is impossible for us as we confess faith in him, we are empowered with the ability to do things we can't inherently do. And we can be restored even now, even before Jesus returns, you know, that's the hope. Like at some point, Jesus is going to return and he's going to make everything new. And Jesus is like, true, but even before then, the Holy Spirit is here to give you power to live a kind of life that you'll never live on your own as you confess faith in Jesus. Remember what, how Jesus described the first newborn church? He said, people will know you by your love for each other. The world needs people who are loving in this broken world, who aren't going to get all bent out of shape when self-preservation is, 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 is in danger. 
who, who understand the nature and character about a God who is primarily a God of love, not a God of anger, not a God who's upset with us, but a God who's love, who sent his one and only son. The world needs this today. And so I don't know what experience you're in right now. I don't know who is your enemy right now. I don't know what conflict you're going through right now. But the great promise of the work of Jesus is as we continue to confess faith in him, God is able to make us into people that we cannot be on our own. And that means people who are able to see the inherent dignity of every single other person on the planet and to live with love for them. And as we experience that transformation, we can go out into the world and we can make a difference, spirit working through us, to be God's love here today in this city or wherever you are on Zoom. And so may God do this great work in us today. Amen.